Good evening and welcome to another episode of Boo My Dad Says. My name is John. And I'm Becca. And we're your tour guides through the world of the paranormal. We've got a whole lot of history, a whole lot of mystery, and a whole lot of weird. So sit back, relax, and prepare for a spine-tingling time. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Boo, My Dad Says. My name is John, your host with the most who likes to hang out with the ghosts. Oh, Lozzie, and I'm Becca. <laughs> She's the skeptic who, I can't think of a rhyme to go with skeptic. There is nothing that rhymes with skeptic, I do not believe. Who likes to spray things down with antiseptic. I uh, know, I'm not so much worried about that. <laughs> That's a fact. That's the only thing I could think of that came up that rhymed with uh, uh, skeptic. We need a different word for skeptic then. Oh, boy. Yeah, it, it's certainly uh, the end of the weekend. and As per usual, we are recording on Sunday night, so I think we're all kind of tired. We've had a lot going on this weekend, and um, we're both just kind of like... Dude. Yeah, we're definitely feeling it. We've had a busy couple of days last week. We had friends over. We've had family over. We've gone to family this weekend. So it's definitely it's it's been a long it's been a long weekend. For sure. And it doesn't seem to be letting up this coming week, so Nope, that's how it rolls, I suppose. If if we didn't have something to do, we'd be complaining about that. So Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. That was a nice big yawn there, dear. <laughs> Believe me, I'm feeling it too. So anyways, if you uh, were feeling interested in checking us out on social media, and you really should, uh, you can join us on our group on Facebook. Just look up uh, Boo My Dad Says. You can also find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Just hunt up Boo My Dad Says. <laughs> we should change it to Boo My Dad Says. Really, my mom says? <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, what we're going to do is we're, we're actually looking for a, a new logo. I know I've updated the logo in the last couple of weeks, but I really want to find a way to get Becca in this logo. And with her and somehow to portray her sense of snark, maybe kind of sitting there with her arms crossed, be like, you know, I ain't having none of this ghost stuff, but, you know, I don't know. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, I am tired, too. Also, if you would like to email us your stories, you can email us at john at boomadadsays.com and uh, you can remain anonymous if you wish. If not, you can tell us your entire life history. You can also, you know, give us your bank account information, all that stuff. And we'll no, be happy my to Atlanta. No, but we'd definitely <laughs> love to tell your story online. If you've got one, share it with us, please. All right. So tonight we are going to be. Uh, crossing the pond, so to speak, and visiting uh, Edinburgh Castle 
in Scotland, Great Britain. This one we definitely could have gotten my brother in on. He traveled to Scotland for his honeymoon, and um, I don't think he had any ghost stories or anything, but he definitely could have helped us out with the history on that one. Well, you know, your family is also have has some Scottish blood in you all. We do. We actually traced our ancestry back, and we are part of the Keith clan. We have our tartan, our tartan plaid. We've we've well, not. I say we. My brother, he's a whole lot more into that than I am. Um, but it is very interesting. He has a kilt with our colors, with our clan colors, and before Corona. And before life got busy, previously, he'd always gone up to Grandfather Mountain to the um, Highland Games and watched some of the people compete and do some of the log throwing and axe chopping. I don't know what all they do up there, but they had good food because it was a festival. I mean, there's always good food at festivals. Keith looks like he he is. I mean, you could see the Scottish in him. I mean, he's just got that. Yeah, you know, and that big is burly. And it's funny because that is his first name is Keith. But Keith was the family name that he got named after. So. Yeah. He's and he definitely key. has that big burly Scottish, you know, like he could he could uh, participate in the Highland Games if he wanted to. He probably could if he trained for it. Yeah. But yeah, Edinburgh uh, Castle is our destination of choice. I really wanted to get over to the uh, Great Britain area because, you know, I was looking at the statistics the other day and our number two nation on our statistics was Great Britain. So I wanted to make sure that we uh, showed you guys a little bit of love. Yeah, so any of you folks across the pond, if you have any cities or hauntings or stories or ghost stories, things that may not pop on the internet in a search, but if you've got a place you'd like us to check out, definitely send us a message or comment, You know, put a post up on Facebook or something. Let us know what we need to be researching. All right, dear. Well, do you want to start off and uh, hit the history of uh, Edinburgh Castle? Well, this is going to be a very brief history of Edinburgh Castle because it has a very large and lengthy history of... I think when I was looking it up on uh, the internet and I just did a Wikipedia search on it and printed that out, it was 20 some odd pages. Correction. It was 35 pages. Oh, Correction taken. It was 35 pages. So we are going to do a quick overview of Edinburgh Castle. It is a historic fortress which dominates the skyline in Edinburgh, which is the capital city of Scotland. From its position on the Castle Rock, there it sits. Archaeologists have established human occupation of the rock since at least Iron Age II, which is the 2nd century AD, although the nature of the early settlements is unclear. There has been a royal castle on the rock since at least the reign of David I in the 12th century. The site continued at times to be a royal residence until 1633. Then from 15th century, the castle's residential role declined, and by the 17th century, it was principally used as a military barracks with a large garrison. It is, its importance as a part of Scotland's national heritage was recognized increasingly from the early 19th century onward, and various restoration programs have been carried out over the past century and a half. As one of the most important strongholds in the Kingdom of Scotland, Edinburgh Castle was involved in many historical conflicts from the wars of Scottish independence in the 14th century to the Jacobite Rising of 1745. They have identified 26 sieges in its 1,100-year 1, history, giving it a claim 
to have been the most besieged place in Great Britain and one of the most attacked in the world. Few of the present buildings predate the Lang Siege of the 16th century when the medieval defenses were largely destroyed by artillery bombardment. The most notable exceptions are St. Margaret's Chapel from the 12th century, which is regarded as the oldest building in Edinburgh and is regarded as, let's see, as part of the Royal Palace and the early 16th century Grey Hall, although the interiors have been much altered from the mid-Victorian period onwards. The castle also houses the Scottish regalia, known as the Honours of Scotland, and is the site of the Scottish National War Memorial and the National War Museum of Scotland. The British Army is still responsible for some parts of the castle, though, although its presence now is largely ceremonial and administrative. There are still some of the buildings that are the regimental museums which contribute to its presentation as a tourist attraction. The castle, in the care of the Historic Environment Scotland, is Scotland's most and the United Kingdom's second most visited paid tourist attraction, with over 2.2 million visitors in 2019, and over 70% of leisure visitors to Edinburgh visited the castle. It is the backdrop to the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Military Tattoo, which we'll talk about that in a minute, during the annual Edinburgh Festival. The castle has become a recognizable symbol of Edinburgh in particular and as a Scot- and of Scotland as a whole. When you say tattoo, do you mean literally a tattoo? Nope. It is apparently just a different word. But so before we before we get to that, um, I want to just kind of talk about the the different parts. There's a lot of different parts to the Edinburgh Castle. There's the Esplanade, the Gatehouse. There's a ticket office, Porticollis Gate in Argyle Tower, the Argyle Battery, Mills Mount Battery and the One O'Clock Gun, Cart Sheds, Western Defenses, Hospital, Butts Battery, Scottish National War Museum, Governor's House, New Barracks, Military Prison, Royal Scots Museum, Foog's Gate, Reservoirs, Mons Meg, Pet Cemetery, St. Margaret's Chapel, Half Moon Battery, Square, Crown Square, Royal Palace, Great Hall, Queen Anne Building, Scottish National War M- Memorial. So there is a boatload. This is not just one minute. building. Pet Cemetery? Apparently. Um, oh, my goodness. I must not have done enough research then. There's got to be some haunted animals then in this place. No, they done bit the dust. Um, I didn't see a whole lot about the pet cemetery. Let me see if I can find anything. I didn't. See, I don't remember seeing anything as I was flipping through here, because they some of this history goes back to like AD two hundred, AD six hundred, and that it just gets a little monotonous even that is, for the researcher. That is old. Um, there's there's a lot of information here, and unless you, I guess, are Scottish it may not interest you a great deal to hear about all of this. So, yeah, I'm not finding anything glaringly sticking out about the Pet cemetery. so we might have to do a little bit more. But this was more, I just wanted to tell you all that just because it's more than just one big building up on a rock. Like, it is a whole little mini town, essentially. Um, and it has been used because it was used as a military establishment, a military garrison for so long, like most forts you know you had a place you know you had the mess hall you had where the ammunition was stored you had the 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 stocks i mean like you know if you had prison you know the prisoners the dungeons the dungeons where the prisoners would go um so it 
it again, there was a lot going on um, throughout Scotland's history that it was used for many different things. Presently, um, like I said, it is just part of the tourist, the tourist attractions there in Scotland. They do have a the direct administration of the castle by the war office um, came to an end in 1905, and the and in 1923, the army formally moved to the city's new Redford Barracks. Nevertheless, the castle continues to have a strong connection with the army and is one of the few ancient castles in Britain that still has a military garrison, albeit for largely ceremonial and administrative purposes. The new barracks contain both the governor's house, which serves as the officer's mess hall and the regimental headquarters of the Royal Regiment of Scotland. The Army retains responsibility for these and the Royal Scots Museum and the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards Museum is there as well. So the military tattoo, the Edinburgh military tattoo, essentially is just a reenactment. It takes place on the Esplanade each year during August. The basis of this performance is a parade of the massed pipes and drums of the Scottish regiments. And since its inception in 1950, the tattoo has developed a complex format, which includes a variety of performers invited from around the world, although still with a largely military focus. The climax of the evening is the lone piper on the castle battlements playing a pibroke. I think I'm probably messing that up. I did not see that, and I did not check the pronunciation on that. Playing in memory of the dead comrades in arms, followed by massed fans joining in a medley of traditional Scottish tunes. The tattoo attracts an annual audience of around 217,000 people and is broadcast in some 30 countries to a television audience of estimated of at least a million, 100 million, sorry, 100 million, which is crazy. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people watching this military tattoo. I have no idea why it's called a tattoo. Um, That is, I did not find any information on that. Uh, if you all want to email us on that, that would be very much welcome. I'd like to know what and that means. it could means. just be that tattoo is a Scottish word for something else. I'm not sure. Um, they also have what's called the one o'clock gun. Um, it is fired every day at guess what time? One o'clock? 127. No, I'm just kidding. One o'clock. 1 p.m. except on Sundays, Good Friday, and Christmas Day. The time gun was established in 1861 as a time signal for ships in the harbor of Leith and the Firth of Forth, two miles away. It complemented the time ball, which was installed on the Nelson Monument in 1852, but it was useless as a visual signal in foggy weather. Because sound travels relatively slowly, a map was produced in 1861 to show the actual time when the sound of the gun would be heard at various locations around Edinburgh. The original gun was an 18-pound muzzle-loading cannon, which needed four men to load and was fired from half-moon battery. It was replaced in 1913 by a 32-pound breech loader and in May of 1952 by a 25-pound howitzer. The present one o'clock gun is an L-118 light gun brought into service on November 30, 2001. The castle, though, really is just the symbol of Edinburgh. It is a symbol of Scotland. It appears on, in stylized form on the coats of arms of the city of Edinburgh, the University of Edinburgh. It features it is also featured on the badge of number 603 Squadron, which was based at the RAF Turnhouse during Second World War. Images of the castle are used as a logo by organizations including Edinburgh Rugby, 
the Edinburgh Evening News, Hibernian FC, which I guess is a football club, so that would be like soccer, um, Edinburgh Marathon. It also per- appears on the Castle series of Royal Mail postage stamps, has been represented on various issues of banknotes issued by the Scottish Clearing Banks. In 1960, it was illustrated on the five-pound note issued by the uh, National Commercial Bank of Scotland and since 1987 has been featured on the reverse of a one-pound note used by the Royal Bank of Scotland. Since 2009, the castle, as part of Edinburgh's World Heritage Site, has appeared on 10-pound notes, which are issued by the Clydesdale Bank. The castle is a focal point for annual fireworks displays, which mark Edinburgh's Hagmanay, which is their New Year celebration, and the end of the Edinburgh Festival in the summer. Is their New Year the same as ours? That's an excellent question. Because I know, um, like in China, their New Year is different than ours. Nope, it is the same time, December thirty first. It just has that name, Hagmane, um, and that's just New Year's Eve. It marks the arrival of the new year, celebrating the winter solstice among the Vikings with wild parties late in December. So this is just part of their celebration: the fireworks, the festivals, all of that. They just have a different word for it. Okay, here's a little little blip about Hag. Hagmanay. So the Scots celebrate New Year, and this has nothing to do with Edinburgh Castle, but this is interesting. First footing is perhaps the most widely practiced ritual of Hagmanay. The moment the clock strikes midnight, lads and lassies across Scotland start heading for the homes of loved ones to be the first fo- to be the first footer, the first person to cross the threshold of the home in the new year. So as they um the, the perk of that, custom says that the first footer sets the precedent for the new year and is always a welcome, is always welcomed with traditional Scottish hospitality. A wee dram of whiskey. A tall, dark, handsome man has historically been seen as the most desirable visitor. But today, first footers come in all shapes and sizes. It's all good and you are welcome as long as you bring a gift. So there's all kinds of gifts you bring, um, all with different meanings, different parts of good luck. You bring um, like a black bun or a, or a Scottish shortbread. You bring coal representing warmth, salt for health. Um, so some of these, they have very custom, very rich in ritual um, as far as what they what they did. All right, dear, let's jump over and look at the hauntings at Edinburgh Castle. And uh, as uh, was mentioned earlier, Edinburgh Castle exists as the most besieged castle in Britain with 23 attacks throughout Scotland's history. It is the Scottish equivalent to the Tower of London, which houses the country's crown jewels and served as a prison and barracks and protected the royal family during times of unrest. So, yeah, I mean, you know, with that many different uh, sieges and attacks, yeah, you're definitely going to have some uh, spirits hanging around there. Alleged. uh, Alleged. Alleged spirits. One of these days, dear, I'm going to convince you. I'm going to drag you on a ghost hunt. And you'll never sleep again. <laughs> Remember that. So the first one we're going to talk about, and man, I hate to say it, but what a horrible way to die is this. This is called the Dung Prisoner. Uh, and this unfortunate soul, he doesn't have a name, but the, he was named the Dung Prisoner because of, well, how he died. Edinburgh Castle, like most castles, 
has dungeons where prisoners were frequently beaten, tortured, and sometimes perished. The dungeons here at Edinburgh are haunted by the ghosts of those who either spent time here or died within the dungeon walls. Colored orbs and strange clouds of mist are regularly photographed by visitors. But this particular prisoner, what makes his story interesting is he he chose to hide in a dung barrow, thinking that no one would be willing to search for him there, and he hoped to be carried out of the castle and down the royal mile and that way he would be able to escape to freedom. But however, he made a slight miscalculation in this thought. He didn't exactly think his plan all the way through. Our Dung prisoner, he did not anticipate the method the castle staff used to dispose of the Dung. So let this be a lesson to you all. Research thoroughly before you execute any plan that you may have. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, well, shockingly for him, he died when the barrow was emptied down the rocky slopes of and the castle. Just to clarify, when John is talking about a barrow, he's talking about a wheelbarrow. Yeah, well, it, the what I found was just said right. barrow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because at first, when I first heard you start talking about that, I was like, what the heck is he talking about? But I got it. I, I guess here, maybe we just call it a wheelbarrow instead of just a barrow. Uh, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. I've never heard it just called a barrow over here. It's always the wheelbarrow. Well, anyways, he fell to his death. So people have now seen, uh, or have not really necessarily seen him, but they have experienced this spirit. They have claimed that this ghost tries to push them from the battlements, and then there is a strong and unpleasant smell of dung that follows. Ew. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit stinky there. Um, well, in ways of dying and in ways of being haunted. But, you know, you have to give the guy credit for trying. I suppose. I mean, if you have no hope and you are just <laughs> trying anything, then I guess, I mean, yeah, it's not good to die off a cliff. But, I mean, you're going to be stuck in prison, so I guess you got to try something even if it does end badly. Yeah. Now, this next ghost... Um, the story behind this one, it seems like probably is the most well-known story because of all the sites I went and did my research through, this one seemed to come up over and over again. And this is the ghostly Piper Boy. And uh, basically, this mystery dates back several centuries when numerous tunnels were found under the castle that led to Holyrood Palace at the bottom of the Royal Mile. When the tunnels were discovered, there was great curiosity to see where the tunnels beneath the castle would lead. However, the entrance was only small enough for the local boy Piper to get through. He was sent down to investigate. He was instructed to play his pipes loudly, and as he walked through the tunnel above ground, people were able to keep track of the young boy and trace his progress and map out where the tunnels went. This seemed to work for a while, then all of a sudden the pipes stopped somewhere near the site of Tronkirk, a church which is a recognizable landmark in the Royal Mile. Search parties undertook rescue attempts, but the boy Piper had seemingly vanished. Sadly, the boy was never found, and although multiple efforts were made to recover him, 
They did not find a trace. They never found him. Never found him. What in the world? I know, that is just very weird. Disturbed by his disappearance, the city council ordered the tunnel to be sealed. However, with Edinburgh being a paranormal hotspot, the story obviously doesn't end there. Ever since his disappearance, many people have reported hearing the faint underground sound of a single bagpipe being played far below Edinburgh Castle and the Royal Mile. So if you're in the area late into the night and hear faint sounds of bagpipes, there may be a mystery playing out beneath your feet. So the bagpipes are under the ground. Yeah. That's creepy. I don't know if I like that. Well, I just felt it was interesting, you know, that they said, okay, you're going to go in these tunnels, you're going to play your pipes loud, and we're going to track you over top. You know, and it's just kind of like, obviously, uh, whatever was down there did not like bagpipes. Interesting. So our next uh, spirit on the list is the headless drummer boy. Come, they told me. Oh, my gosh. I did it again. I got a song for everything. Oh, my goodness. Well... Just like we have a uh, ghostly bagpipe player, we also have a ghostly drummer, and he is occasionally heard by visitors, although its ghost has not been seen for centuries. And according to legend, sighting of the drummer... So they see him or they hear him? um, Seen. The text says seen. Okay, go ahead. Continue. According to legend, sightings, there's another visual cue, sightings of the drummer represented a harbinger of attack against the castle. And this last occurred in 1650, a year after Charles I was beheaded. And along with that, there were a few other different things that uh, kind of was associated with the drummer boy. Um, There were like sword-shaped meteors speeding across the sky, uh, spectral soldiers riding horseback over nearby hills, and in some events, this ghostly drummer was reported by castle sentries as playing his drums along the battlements each night. More disturbing is he reportedly lacked a head, much like Charles. As a result, the governor of the castle decided to investigate the matter himself to unravel the mystery of these ghostly sightings. He never saw a ghost, but he heard a drum playing an old Scottish war tune in conjunction with the sound of many marching to the beat. The sounds of the ghostly procession went towards and subsequently passed the governor. However... Sighting of the drummer happened during the same year, 1650. Oliver Cromwell's army was laying siege to the castle, thereby giving credence to the folklore. Our next ghostly visitor of Edinburgh Castle is Janet Douglas, the Lady of Gloms. The story of Janet Douglas is a tragic story of revenge against an innocent young woman 
orchestrated by the king at the time, who was James V, who succeeded by accusing her on a baseless charge of witchcraft and poisoning. Her father, George Douglas, master of Angus, went on to marry James V's widowed mother, Margaret Tudor, and virtually controlled the kingdom by claiming to be acting on behalf of young James. After Douglas and Janet's brother fled Scotland, she was summoned to court on a charge of communicating with her exiled brother, but refused to appear and thus forfeited herself. She and her family were besieged in Glom's castle and then seized and brought to Edinburgh. Although a woman of high stature, she was accused of trying to poison the king and also of witchcraft. Although it took torturing Janet's servants and friends to gain any evidence against her on these charges. So I guess, you know, you torture somebody enough, they'll say anything. That's true. Sadly, nothing could save Janet, and on the 17th of July, 1537, on what is now the Esplanade, what was that? Esplanade. Esplanade of Edinburgh Castle, she was burned at the stake with her 16-year-old son forced to watch. She was described as in the prime of her years of a singular beauty and suffering through all, though a woman with a man-like courage. So this, must, this lady must be a very courageous person. After Lady Janet's execution, the gray lady began appearing at the castle. A knocking sound can be heard and is thought to be the hammering of the workmen building the scaffold which Janet was burned alive. Visitors to the castle have reported seeing the ghostly figure of Lady Janet roaming the halls and weeping. Lady Janet's story was one of thousands of innocent women in Scotland who would go on to share as they too became victims of Scotland's obsessive witch hunting. Sightings of restless spirits still occur at the castle. In 2003, members of a construction crew performing restoration of the structure claimed they were harassed by ghosts of prisoners from the the Napoleonic Wars. Various photos of these men working in the Queen Anne building captured what resembled hazy blue orbs floating above their heads. In some cases, persons refused to work alone. Hmm. Fuzzy blue orbs floating over their heads. Yes. I wonder if this was some kind of just, I don't know, like humidity problem and dust in the air and weird LED lights. Maybe somebody had a hue light and they turned it on. <laughs> well, now, orbs in the paranormal paranormal realm are a very controversial subject because uh, orbs are considered just to be, you know, just kind of like spirits. Oh. But so it's not just a blob of light. Well, that's the that, and there's therein lies the controversy because people will mistaken dust in photos and stuff as orbs because you'll you know you'll have light and it'll just kind of reflect off of some dust and it just seems like uh or like a piece of dust will float right in front of really close to your camera mm-hmm. or like people doing video so there so it is a very controversial subject. And, you know, it's a lot of people who think they have seen orbs end up really only seeing dust. So that is a very, that is a They're very. They're on my um, side. 
Yeah. <laughs> your your uh, skepticism there is very justified in this one in one, one lone case. So lastly, the Edinburgh Castle is also site of one of the largest paranormal investigations in history. And this happened back in 2001. A team of nine researchers and over 200 members of the public explored the castle's forgotten chambers and secret passages for signs of ghostly happenings. Now, what they did to kind of uh, add some legitimacy to this is that when the, the people that they brought in, they did not tell them as they went through the castle, the places that they were going that had been rumored to have high paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. So they had no clue where they were going into the rooms. Right. They didn't, they, they kind of did. It's almost like a, like a, a blind, blind, yeah, a blind test. The uh, public, as I said, was not told uh, the areas in which the castle was rumored to be haunted. And the what they found out was 51% of the participants in the haunted areas reported paranormal experiences, while only 35% did so in areas that were more purported to be non-haunted. Hmm. And some of the things that people had run across, they saw shadowy figures, sudden drops in temperature, and feeling of something tugging on your clothes. And that was kind of the things that they saw there. Hmm. Interesting. But they and they had no idea that they were going on a ghost hunt. Well, no, they knew that they were going there. But they for, just didn't know what the high the, Yeah, they didn't give them they didn't tell them saying like this room has been known to Produce these effects. Produce these effects right. or these things have happened. Oh. So as they sent through, then I guess they did, surveyed the people as they went through and said, did you know, did you feel anything? Did you, see- did you see a red or blue orb? Did you see that shadowy figure? So 51% of the people uh, experienced something in areas that were purported to be haunted. Oh, okay. Havesies. Yeah. A little better than Havsies. One percent. One percent better than Havsies does not a uh, believer make me. <laughs> I was trying to think of a better way to say that. I didn't come out right. Well, anyways, yes, it, it is. Essentially, it's a 50-50. Uh, In the world of statistics, we call that a draw. That's a Havsies. That it really is. I guess so. <laughs> I've never taken statistics. I actually can't even say that. So I teach elementary school and not math on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Not math to boot. All right, folks. Well, that is our uh, tour through Edinburgh Castle. And I'd say I've really enjoyed uh, working on this one. It's And I didn't even whip out my Scottish accent this time. Gosh, what was I thinking? It's probably a good idea that you didn't, dear. I know. I would probably insult a lot of people. You'd have sent, you would you would have sounded like Glomgold. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, DuckTales. The new DuckTales is excellent. And Glomgold is my favorite character on there. Okay. We're, this is a ghosty thing or whatever, but it's <laughs> oh just no. a nerd. Oh I'm no. not going to do it. But it's so funny. The episode where Glomgold is it's called Gold Fever. Okay. Y'all people with Disney Plus... 
Y'all people at Disney Plus, you need to hit up DuckTales and, re- and watch the Gold Fever episode. It is so funny. I still like laugh out loud every time I watch it with my kids. It's so funny. Um, well, anyways, the show is great. And, you know, and David Tennant is the actor that, that is voicing Scrooge McDuck in this. And at first I was a little skeptical of, you know, hearing somebody else, hearing somebody else do the voice of Uncle Scrooge. And he nails it. But he nailed it. He really did. I mean, it it was, you know, it was an updated voice, obviously, but it really fit. And, you know, DuckTales was an excellent series and it, it just finished up its run. It ran for three seasons and we really loved it. It was great. Anyway, Glomgold's the best. Just saying. (laughs) He was pretty funny, though. All right, folks. Well, I I hope you all have a great upcoming week. And, well, I guess in this case, since the episode drops on Wednesday, a great rest of the week. And if you get a chance to go out and review the show, you know, make sure you give us a five-star review and, you know, rating and review because that helps us to be found in the search results on Apple Podcasts. We would really much appreciate that. If you uh, have an extra buck or two that you would like to uh, help out with the show, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash says and make a donation to the show. That really helps us to cover some of our production costs as we do have a few things coming up. I, I need to buy Rebecca a new microphone. And also a microphone stand. I could supply pictures of what her microphone looks like if you would like to see it. Yeah, I don't think so. They don't need to see this mess. <laughs> we are pretty much definition of Jerry Rig. But that's okay. Well, you know, we're we're piecing our studio together one piece at a time. I've I've gotten a stand and a microphone for me and we need to get her one. So because right now I got a dish rag over my mic. <laughs> yeah, to kind of help with uh, we do need being a, photo a, of this. We a need pop to docu- filter. <laughs> document this for posterity. But anyways, guys, we hope y'all have a great rest of the week. We appreciate you all. And, you know, thank you for listening to our show. And good night and God bless, my friends.